so much to send your son for us. Pastor Sean this morning, I came just to sing that song this morning. Whether I preached or not was irrelevant. I, I wanted to sing that song. Isn't that beautiful? That God has gifted his people to write things and music. And, and uh, let us, his people, enjoy worshiping together. So, yeah, we're here to exalt Christ and enjoy him as the satisfaction of the human heart. And uh, I was with some good friends this week who are seekers. And uh, they asked me this question. They said, who is Jesus? Isn't that a great question? Isn't that awesome? May God give me that question like every week, right? And all of us, right? Who is Jesus was the question they asked me. And they were confused in this valley. You've heard many interpretations of that question. And I was able to explain uh, the biblical Jesus and who he is. And that is what Paul is trying to do. Pastor Jared spoke on this last week, making it very clear who Jesus is. That he's fully God. God in human flesh, the exact representation of God, the Father who through the world, who through whom the world was created, now in human flesh, died, buried, and risen from the dead and coming again. And people are, I mean, the question really that's being asked is like, what do I have to grab onto? What do I have to plan as a foundation of my life? Where do I anchor myself in the middle of all this crazy world? That's what they're looking for, and we look to politics, and we look to governments, right? We look to uh, charismatic leaders, we look to education and learning and various ideologies and philosophies and all kinds of religions. I mean, we look to all kinds of places, but they don't do it for us. You know, we, we attach ourselves to all kinds of causes. You know, as I drive through my, my little district where I live, you know, it seems like every week there's a new sign or a new flag or new something, you know, like kind of new way of thinking about things, and everybody's chasing a lot of different places. But God says there is only one place that your heart will settle. It is his plan, it says in this text, Colossians 2 this morning. His plan is this, one word, Christ. That's the anchor. That's the foundation that's the place that our empty souls are rescued. And it's called a mystery that was hidden for, for centuries and now is revealed that Christ came and lived among us so we could see God's answer to all of our brokenness. And the question for us is how does that become a reality in our hearts? How do we make that real, right? Many of us have heard that dozens if not hundreds of times. But how does it get from here to here? And how does it become real to us? And and Paul's aim is to help us with that question this morning. And there's three transforming truths, I think, that we'll see. And the first one is in verses 1 to 3. Again, we're in Colossians 2, if you want to turn there or get your phone and get there. Or, or in the U version, there's uh, the verses that I had prepared for today for us. And we're in Colossians chapter 2. And he says this. 
For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who are, have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, knit together in love, in order to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And, and so I want us to see the first truth here is this, is that Jesus Christ is experienced in the church. Notice, notice Paul is trying to get them to know and experience Christ, but he says, here's how you do it. Your hearts are encouraged as they are knit together in love. So that then you will know the full assurance of the understanding you have in Christ. Paul's writing to churches. He wants them to gather so that he is experienced in this community that we call the church. You know, we, we've all heard this over the years. You know, I experience God most in the woods, right? And that's good. I, I hope you do. Like, he is experienced there. Or in the coffee shop, right? Or in the fishing boat, right? Or these days on that screen, you know, that dreadful screen that we spend so much time watching. And those are all good things. I'm thankful for them. But Paul is saying that we experience Christ profoundly and uniquely as we gather as a church. <laughs> so we're here, right? I hope you're here not only to enjoy being with friends, but to experience Jesus together. And in this text, we say several ways that we do encounter Christ. One is that we hear his truth. Right? We teach truth here. We teach the Bible here. All the treasures of wisdom, verse 3, are found in Christ. And we experience that as we gather. And we hear truth so that we don't have happen to us that we see in verse 4. I say this in order that no one may be deluded by plausible arguments, false things. We gather to hear God's word so that when we hear a bunch of stupid stuff out there that's not true, that'll lead us into a gutter, we know, like, no, that's wrong. That's not the truth, right? I, I mean, we hear hundreds of truth claims, right, throughout the week, every one of us. Most of them are false. And what is commonly said, I heard my neighbor say this to me this week, like, they're all true. They're all just a way of getting to God, well, they're completely opposite and contradictory statements. They can't possibly be all true. If you think like an engineer, at least, you know. It's not possible. And this says we gather to hear the truth, what is called treasures of perfect wisdom, opened up to us. And so we speak, as we have been, of who Jesus is, that we might worship him and exalt him right ways in our lives. We also gather to worship Christ together. You know, it, it really is. In fact, this was interesting. You know, during the pandemic, uh, we had six months where we didn't gather, right? And uh, we would prepare the sermons on Saturday and videotape them. And, uh, and so Mary and I would gather around our little screen, and we, Sean would lead us in worship. And then it was really kind of weird because I led us in communion, and I was partaking to my leading in communion. Like, ooh, this is kind of a little, right, different. 
It just isn't the same, right? It was, it was, it was, I was thankful, right? And we were blessed to be able to gather in that way. But what a much better day that we can gather together as people and worship. And there's nothing like singing together and have a room full of people that are exalting Christ. I live for this. It's the highlight of my week to worship and sing with you to King Jesus. We also grow here. We grow strong here. You know, this world demands a lot of us. It's tough living as a Christian, isn't it? Tough serving him. Uh, The world is coming against us constantly in all kinds of ways and all sorts of temptations. And so we're to gather, it says in Hebrews 10, to stir each other up to love and good deeds. It says, and let us gather now to stir each other up in love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we're, I was telling our staff this week, I mean, we're, we're here to really kind of poke each other, like spur each other on. It's not easy. This is hard, right? I don't like being poked by you, right? I don't, I don't like when I get confronted in my sin. I know what it's good, though. I want it, right? And it's, it's just a weekly thing. I hope it is for you where brothers and sisters that I gather with, some on our staff, some of you, where I'm confessing sins that I've done. I did again this week, and thankful for the grace and the forgiveness of people in our church family that forgive me. Confronted in my sin. And so we find together here grace and forgiveness and healing to keep going and become stronger. Like, let, let this place be filled with grace and honesty and transformation. We grow together, and that's what is intended. We only do this when we're together. We don't do this over the screens or in the woods right? or in the fishing boat right? and more than anything else it says we are loved here we're accepted here in all of our brokenness all of our imperfections we all know it we all bring wounds in here and we're accepted for who we are to find God's healing and this is Christ in us right all of this is Christ we're experiencing all the things of Jesus only as we gather as a family so we must make it our discipline and thank you for doing that to be gathering people Sunday after Sunday after Sunday over years and decades I was talking to Buck and Myron I said thank you for being an example of serving Jesus for decades showing us how to be faithful to him 60 70 80 years we're thankful for people like you that show us that and a commitment to the body of Christ So Christ is experienced in the church. Secondly, we see this morning in this text that he is our salvation from beginning to end. Look at verse 6 now. It says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so now walk in him. First, you have received Christ as Lord. This is the gospel, that Jesus is Lord. And when we believe in our hearts that he's been risen from the dead and we declare him as Lord, confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, we are saved. This is the gospel. We see it in verse 11. Jump ahead just for a moment. It says, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Well, now there's a lot of big words in there, children. If you don't know what circumcision is, ask your parents today after church. They'll explain it to you. 
But this text is telling us we're not talking about a physical circumcision. It's called a spiritual circumcision. Romans 2.29 says this, that true circumcision is not an outward but inward change, a matter of the heart by the spirit, that when we put Jesus on the throne of our life, trust him as our savior, believe that he died for our sins and rose again, we are made new. We are saved by faith in this Christ that we sung about who died on a cross for our sins. And it says in verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. That when we believe in Jesus and we trust him as our own savior and declare him Lord of our life, that we are buried with him in his death and resurrected with him in his new life. And we are now new creatures in Christ, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And that happens to us when we put our personal faith in Jesus. And I encourage everybody in this room, give your life to Jesus. <laughs> That's how you get a new life. But this verse is saying much more than that. And it's saying not only just as you have received Jesus as your Lord, now walk in him. Walk in him in the same way that you received him. This is important because I think all kinds of Christians have the thought that we receive Jesus by faith and we're saved by faith in him and then we kind of go on to some plan B to grow up in him. We start looking for some sort of new philosophy. This is what Paul is concerned about. See, see to it that no one takes you captive by some empty philosophy or deceit or human tradition. Don't go on to some plan B, right? So many Christians receive Christ by grace through faith and are changed and their lives are transformed and then they're looking around for something else to kind of get them going further. There is no going further, right? How many of these Christian self-help books that you can find, they're just giving secular philosophy and secular instruction? They're not helpful. They're something against the gospel. We come back to the gospel. We're saved by the gospel. We're sanctified by the gospel. And we are glorified, finally and ultimately, by the gospel. Let's not go on to some plan B. I, I love my salvation experience. I trusted Christ as my Savior in my own bedroom when I was 16 years old. It ignited my heart. And the freedom that I felt and the forgiveness that I felt and the joy that I felt changed my life. And yet here I am now, 40-some years later, still coming back to that gospel every day of my life, right? Experiencing new, fresh deaths to myself and resurrections to new life happens once it's salvation and then over and over and over again through the gospel through our whole life through the gospel not only saves us but it also sanctifies us and you know <clears throat> we sang it there is great power in the cross and, and sometimes i think we miss this you don't have to go on to white-knuckling and empowering it through, you know, and, oh, I've got to be better. No, we come back to the cross again and again. Think about it. If you have a bitter thought, right, you're struggling with, and you're trying to, oh, this is wrong, I know, and I've got to get over this, I've got to be better. No, think on the cross. Think of Jesus hanging there for you. And you know what? Your bitterness can't stand it will melt away. Focus on the cross until 
you look what Jesus did for you, you will stop being bitter, right? Or a lustful thought comes into our minds. Satan can put them there, right? Something comes across our path to create a lustful thought. Think on the cross. It's pretty hard to keep lusting when you're thinking about Jesus hanging on the cross. Right? This is, there's, there's power in the cross. We're saved through it, but we're also sanctified by it. And stay there. Linger there until it goes away. I, I have this problem in the middle of the night with all these various things. Satan trying to distract me and bring things into my mind, whether thoughts or anger or, or fears or things. And I, I meditate on the cross. It doesn't go away quickly sometimes. I can fight a while. But I begin to think about his love and his grace toward me and how I am new in him. And the power of that cross sets me free. And then pretty soon I'm rejoicing. That's it, right? And you can tell when you are looking for your sanctification in the gospel and not just your own good doings, right? Because it leads to thankfulness. It says, so walk in him, rooted and built it up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That this meditating on the cross chases the sin away. And brings us to a heart of rejoicing and thankfulness. And we just do this over and over and over again as Christians. This is how we grow up in him. You keep the gospel central in your life. Furthermore, Paul reminds us, and I love this, in verses 9 and 10. He says, for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. We studied this last week. In Christ was all the glorious fullness of the Godhead. Now get this. That's true of Jesus. And in verse 10 it says, and you have been filled with him. He is filled with the Godhead. And he is in you. All that God is is in you in the person of Jesus. That your heart can be full. See, I think really sin and temptation to sin is just a trying to fill our empty heart. To fill it with plastic fruit that doesn't satisfy. Give it away. Go for the real thing. <laughs> Jesus is available to you. He is inside of you as a Christian. He is the reason to accept him in the first place. And he is the reason to say no to sin all the way through. That he is more satisfying than anything the world offers. I love Matthew 13. Jesus is speaking, and he, he's comparing himself and, and the gospel of heaven to all the things of earth. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had that he, and then he bought it. So Jesus says, in me is life, in me is worth giving up everything to have me inside of you. Better than real estate, better than wealth, better than fine jewelry, right? It goes on and on and on. So we, we have this fullness of Christ that we've spoken of in us. The infinite, all-loving, all-gracious, all-powerful, eternal God lives in you. 
Think about that. Dwell on that just for a moment. All the infinite nature of Jesus is inside of you at your disposal to defeat sin and honor him. It never runs out. It's an ever-ending reservoir. Jesus says it's like a river running through you all your life. Never runs out. <laughs> I picture worship as kind of like a feast. That's what it is for me. I hope it is for you at some level. I mean, I just feast on Jesus as I worship. And it fills my heart. I am full, right? It's all the fullness of Christ is in you. And when I feast on him through worship, through meditating on his word and communing with him, through walking with him in fellowship, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm feasting on the fullness of Jesus. And then when Satan offers me a crap sandwich, yeah, I go, I'm full. I'm full. Right? This is why I worship. This is why I spend time with him. And let me say this. You can feast on the crab sandwich if you want. But everything the world offers runs out because it's not infinite. As good as it might taste to you, it comes to an end. And you're desperate and enslaved. That's what sin does. But when you feast on Jesus, it's never-ending. It's infinite. There's always more. You can't eat enough. Isn't that great? I mean, what, I hope heaven I can eat more than I can here, right? Just keep eating. It's like, with Jesus, you can keep feasting because it's infinite supply of God. Well, Paul has pointed out to us now that um, we experience Christ in the church experience him as our salvation from beginning to end and now that he is the power for crushing our enemies let's think about this this is a this is a cool set of verses jesus is the power for crushing our enemies the enemy primarily all enemies ultimately find their way back to a source but colossians 2 13 to 15 says this and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Does it sometimes feel like the whole world's against you? Feel that way? It is. <laughs> it is. It's Satan's domain, right? A world system orchestrated by Satan and his minions against those that are God's. And Satan will lie to you, and he will accuse you, and he'll belittle you, and he'll discourage you. Right? And that's what this verse is saying. He's here going after you. 
But verse 15 says, Jesus has disarmed Satan through the cross. So let's just think for a moment here about this war. These are squirt guns. Satan has a weapon, right? In its guilt, in its shame, in its condemnation. That's his weapon, right? You're guilty. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You'll never change, right? You're a failure. Your situation is hopeless. Right? That's what he does. He fires that at you all the time, right? Right? You're a failure. I can't just court my wife. I'll probably be in trouble if I do that. <laughs> You're hopeless. You're a failure. You're a failure. I just got disarmed <laughs> by Jesus. <laughs> scary, Jason. <laughs> At the cross, Jesus disarmed Satan by saying over us in Romans 8.1, there is now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ. None. And Satan's weapons, I use the little wimpy little unicorn skirt guns on purpose because his weapons are nothing in light of the cross of Christ cross of Christ obliterates those accusations that he makes against us. God says that in Christ you are new. You are a saint. You are a holy one. He says in Christ he is for you and no one can stand against you. He says and if I will give you Jesus on your behalf for your salvation, won't I also along with him give you every good thing? Everything you possibly need that is good for you, I will give you. Furthermore, you are loved and accepted more than you'll ever know. It says later on, I'm just going my way down through Romans 8, right? Just rolling it out. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. We got to sing a little bit about God's love here this morning before we're done. So let's put Satan in his place. Let's disarm him. Let's speak the truth against these lies. I was sitting in my chair here about a week ago in the morning. I do early in the morning for the day and I was kind of having a battle I review my previous day and I had seen some failings my wife was across the room in a different place and she can kind of hear me working through my things and I said I guess too loudly I said you're an idiot not to my wife to me you're an idiot and she yells out across the room what did you say what did you just call yourself you know better than that. Come on. Right? Come on. You're in Christ. And I was thinking about Hebrews 10, 14. It says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time 
those who are being sanctified. Did you hear that? By one single offering, he has, past tense, already perfected those whom he is now growing up and sanctifying. So guess what? You are perfect. So turn to your spouse, turn to your kids, turn to the person sitting next to you that you're mad at this morning and say, you are perfect. You're perfect. You're perfect. You're perfect. You're not an idiot. You're perfect. So communion reminds us we're going to come and celebrate this, this cross of Christ. What Christ did for us and what he accomplishes for us. We sang this last verse in the song before I preached. For through your suffering I am free. Death is crushed to death. I love that. Death is crushed to death. And life is mine to live. One through your selfless love. This, the power of the cross. We're going to celebrate that this morning. So let's just take a moment now before God. Let's do as we've seen in this word. Just put our minds on Jesus and who, what he's done for us and on his cross. never asked Christ to forgive you, look at the cross and say, Jesus, please forgive me. Never given your life to him, give your life to him. If you've been hearing lies about you this week, look at the cross. Declare you're loved, you're accepted. If you're fighting a sin this week, look at the cross and let it melt away. Let's just take a few minutes now and focus on what Jesus did for us.